Welcome to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, everybody. It's another Wednesday of Don't Box Me In, and I hope everyone has been having a productive week so far. Uh, today, I'm going to be talking with my guests about living with HIV. And HIV infects cells in the immune system, and then the infection results in progressive deterioration of the immune system, breaking down the body's ability to uh, fend off some infections and other diseases. About 34 million people live with HIV worldwide, and HIV can be transmitted in several ways. Uh, unprotected sex or oral sex with an infected person, transfusions of contaminated blood, sharing contaminated needles, syringes, or other sharp instruments, and the transmission between a mother and her baby during pregnancy, childbirth, and breastfeeding. My guest today has been living with HIV for 20 years. Now, society places a lot of stigma on a person who is HIV positive, so in advance, I want to thank my guest, Derek Brown, for agreeing to come on and don't box me in today and chat openly about his diagnosis. Derek? Welcome to Don't Box Me In, and I really, really appreciate you being with me today. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So, Derek, I, I want to kind of start at the beginning, and, and can you tell me originally, where are you from? Um, originally, well, I was born in Vincennes, Indiana, but I uh, grew up in a small town, Birds, Illinois. I uh, had 103 people. <laughs> I moved to Indiana. I graduated high school from Mitchell, Indiana. And that's where I consider home, actually. Indiana. Okay, yeah. so somewhere in your story, you, you landed yourself in California. How did that come about? Well, I went to, I took my pre-med at Vincennes University here in Indiana. And mm-hmm. then I went on to Logan College of Chiropractic in St. Louis. And um, upon graduation, I wanted to be able to live an openly gay lifestyle, mm-hmm. and that just was not just something that I could do in the Midwest, okay. and so I moved to Los Angeles. And about what year was that that you moved to L.A.? In um, the spring of 91. Okay, okay, and if I may ask how about how old were you then? Um, I believe I was 23. Okay. Okay. So, um, also, you know, quite often people move to Los Angeles with dreams of being in the entertainment industry. Uh, you, at one point you did want to be an actor or you do want to be an actor or in that field, correct? Yes, I do. But my father told me that I had to, uh, have a career because there are too many starving actors in the world. And so therefore I went to school pursued that goal, finished it, moved to L.A. I ended up working for an interior designer to a lot of stars, some of Hollywood's biggest names, actually. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't even, it was nothing to me. I never mm-hmm. mentioned to them that I wanted to act because at that point my, my goal was pass the state of California board exam and be a chiropractor and own my own business and help people. Okay. Okay. And I think, you know, um, the joke in Los Angeles is, uh, 
a lot of unworking actors and actresses are also waiters and waitresses. So I think uh, everybody has second careers in L.A., you know, that strive to or desire to be actors in, in, that, in that entertainment industry. Um, now, you were 23 and you came to L.A. and you were um, involved with the interior designing. Uh, at what point in your stay in Los Angeles were you diagnosed with HIV? How soon after well, you got here? Um, I, I had actually moved to Palm Springs and purchased a practice that had been in existence for 40 years. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was in 1993, on April 4th of 93 is when I was diagnosed positive. Okay. Did did something lead you to go get tested, or did you have an inkling, or how did that come yes, about? I, I, I had an inkling. I um, Some of the people in the industry had told me that, I had chosen a bad partner, and I really mm -hmm. wasn't seeing it. I was young, and mm -hmm. uh, this individual talked me into breaking up with him, and I left him my dogs, thinking that that would be some sort of a consolation prize, I suppose, mm -hmm. and um, I wanted to go back and see my dogs, so we ended up going out to a dog walking park and out for lunch. And one thing led to another, and he said, don't drive back to Palm Springs tonight, spend the night. And I said, I can't. I still have feelings for you, but it's it's just not right. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, I'll sleep on the couch. You can sleep in the bed with the dogs. Well, that was a plus. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that's what happened to begin with, and one thing led to another. He worked his way into the bed using the dog's couldn't sleep with the, without the dogs as an excuse. And the rest is history. Um, he talked me into doing something unsafe. And the whole time we were together, we were safe. We went and tested together. And um, I came, we, we went to the doctor's office to get the results. And those days, you waited a week to get your results. I went into one examination room. He went into another. When I came out, he was sitting in the in the lobby, and I mm -hmm. said, "Pedro, how did you do?" He said, "I did fine. I told you I did fine." I said, "Well, keep a hold of that slip of paper. We'll put it in the glove box. They may be more will willing to work with our blood if you know if they realize that we're gay." And he said, mm -hmm. "Oh, I said that away in the doctor's office." Well, long story short, I ended up getting thrust in my mouth after after that encounter. And I went and got tested, and I tested positive. I called him, and he said, oh, don't blame that on me. I, I hung up on me. And, oh, we could not even two weeks later, he called me back crying. And mm -hmm. my chiropractic assistant came and got me out of an office, and she said, I can't understand him when he's not crying, but he's crying. <laughs> she just got mm -hmm. to talk to him now. And he told me, because he couldn't go to the stars parties anymore or anything because he was able to go as my guest that he wanted to take my life from me because I took that life from him. And he told me he had known for 11 years. Wow. So when, when, so let me back up. When you went to go visit him under the guise of seeing the dogs, he was already fully aware that he was HIV infected. He had known for 11 years, but he had lied to me. And we oh. were always safe. 
while we were together. It was that one time, and that's what I want to get across to your listeners. It takes one time, one time, one stupid mistake, and it's so, just not worth it. So, so sexually, before when you were with him, before the visit with the temptation of the dogs, you were practicing safe sex, and then after you got back together, the episodes after that, you were having safe sex. It was just that one I want you back session where you guys had unprotected sex. Right, right. Well, I never was with him again except for that one time. Got you. Okay. After we broke up, it was just that one time. And he said, well, you know, he said, I don't have any condoms. And I said, well, I didn't come expecting to have sex. And Mm -hmm. he said, well, I haven't been with anyone of you. You know, he talked me into it. I remember Mm -hmm. standing in the shower afterwards thinking he could have just killed me. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's why I was looking for signs and I found the thrush. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's an important fact that people need to know is that it only takes one time, you know, and uh, sure. we as, as as people, sometimes we get the impression that we're invincible or, you know, we'll escape some sort of fate just this one time. But um, we really need to kind of keep in mind that it just takes that one opportunity to change the whole course of our life. That's it. And no matter how much you love someone or believe someone, they can lie to you. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and that really stinks. But mm-hmm. that's a lie. And people need to know this. So, if I may ask, uh, how is he doing? Is he still with us these days? or I have do you not know? had contact with him in several years. Um, okay. I, I did try for about the first year. I would call him. He didn't call me. And then I think he knew what he had done. And, and frankly, he, he he just blocked it from his mind. So mm-hmm. I lost contact with him, and, and God blessed him. That's all I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So after you get your, you said you your first signal was the thrush. You get your test results back. Um I mean, what then? Were you quiet about it? I mean, that, that has to be such a, a shocking um, blow. Well, I had told my parents, I had been speaking to my parents, telling them that, uh, you know, I, w- I had gotten tested. And then when I got the results, I was I was talking to them and I kind of cried. But I had lied to them and told them that, that it came up negative. Mm. And my mother called back a couple of times, and she said, Derek, we know something's wrong. She said, you come up positive, and you and I had to tell her yes. I had mm-hmm. to tell them yes. So your parents were back in Indiana? Here in Indiana, yes. Okay, and were they aware at the time that you were gay or no? Um, they had known for about a year. Okay. I think okay. they always had little suspicions, but I hadn't come out to them Um it was uh, Christmas before, so it wasn't even a year. Okay. So you, you're diagnosed, you tell your parents, you're, you're still kind of in shock and crying through the process. I mean, do you, you start going to see the doctor right away? Or, I mean, I guess what happens the next well, day after you wake up and you say, okay, where do I go from here? Well, the next day after I woke up, I... Well, one of the first people I went and spoke to, and I hope he doesn't mind I use his name on the air, um, he 
has been behind me for mm-hmm. uh, for 20 years. Uh, his name's Randy Tarabarelli. He's a, a well-known author, Michael Jackson's biographer. And mm-hmm. I think he was the first stop I made. And mm-hmm. he put me at ease with it. And he said, you know, new medications that are out, Derek, the new treatments. He said, you're going to live a long time. You're going to live a long time. And I just remember him saying that. Okay. And were you still active with the the, the chiropractor practice? Were you still I was at the time, but the the mental anguish got me down, and I actually started using methamphetamine for about um, eight eight months or so, and they took me downhill really fast. The only upside of it is that the woman I got them from told me to never shoot them and never smoke them, and and I only snorted it. And I believe if I had shot him up or smoked it, that I would have been a worse addiction. Uh, uh, it would have been a worse addiction um, and harder to get over because it's a physical addiction anyway. Hmm. And um, that it was a horrible thing. I got away from it after that eight months. And um, then I dabbled in some ecstasy and some special K and then cocaine, cocaine, cocaine. And that was my latest demon that I fought. I've been clean. It'll be three years in September from um, smoking crack cocaine. Lots, well, a lot, lots of it. <laughs> so, well, first of all, let me say congratulations on that because that is a very um, difficult demon to have to tackle. Oh, it is. It, it, it that's uh that's I mean like I said wow I mean congratulations well, on that. God um, is good. That's all I can say. God is good. Once you make your mind up and say I'm done, Lord, help me. The rest is history. Yes, uh, Derek. We're going to take a quick break right now. But when I come back, I want to talk more about um, how your diagnosis led to uh, the addiction. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Let's return to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com with your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back uh, to Don't Box Me In. Uh, Before the break, I was talking to my guest today, Derek Brown, and I am um, just kind of mentally digesting. I don't think that I'm a strong enough person to have gone through what he was telling us before the break, you have a a lover who uh, was vindictive, purposely uh, gave you HIV, you get your diagnosis, and then uh, stuff starts to crumble and fall apart, and you find yourself now addicted to drugs, ultimately uh, crack, cocaine. Um, and it seems like your body's already going through the health changes, trying to recoup, struggle with the HIV and now you add more complications with the drug addiction. I mean, I, I'm assuming not only your mind, but your body had to be going through some some serious ter- turmoil at that time. Yes? Yes, very serious. Um, but I attribute it mostly to thinking it was mental problems. So mm-hmm. when I would check myself into rehab, I would check into the mental ward of the rehab rather than the drug ward of the rehab. 
because I, I suppose I was still in denial mm-hmm. and for many years. But <laughs> usually those treatment programs have, um, and I, I mentioned to you when we were speaking before this about dual diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'll call HIV and drug addiction and mental problems, they'll call that a dual or a triple diagnosis or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it all comes down to it, now that I've been off of the, the cocaine for three years, and it, it, I'm, I'm telling you, it's been a fight. I fight mm-hmm. every day to keep weight on my bones. I drink mm-hmm. sir. I, I, I take I take a supplement to, I mean, I take a, a medication uh, to help me eat, to make me have an appetite. I, I take a human growth hormone and then another steroid, and just to keep what body weight I should be at. It's mm. the fuck. So, Derek, for the past, you've been clean from drugs for three years, but the 17 years prior to that, you were struggling with the HIV and the drugs at the same time for 17 years. Is that correct? Well, the HIV the whole time, and then mm-hmm. off and on the drugs, more on than off. Okay, okay. And at what point did you lose your practice? Um, I didn't, well, I I really didn't lose my practice. I just let it go back to the owner that, that okay. had it before. Um, and that was after the eight months of, of um, using the methamphetamines. I had to go to treatment. I had to go to drug treatment, but I mm-hmm. checked myself in. And then I ended up checking myself out about two or three weeks. I think I was maybe a week short of the 28 days. Okay. So when did you get some doctor's help, some medical help for the HIV, and they put you on medication for that? When did that come along? Let's see. That was about 96 or so, 95, 96, so that my T-cells dropped below 200, and that, at that point I had to start getting on antiretrovirals. And um, and seeing the doctor regularly. So you had been HIV positive for how long at that time? Let's see, about three and a half years, four years. Wow! So for three years, you just were on a wing and a prayer. I was on a wing, on a wing and a prayer, and out there. <laughs> okay. Were you still engaged in relationships? Um, it was very hard for me after after him to mm-hmm. have a real true relationship. I had friends that I either lived with or 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 saw regularly. I didn't, you know, it wasn't like I I bounced around. I would have one person in my life for a long time, but um, I couldn't, and I still can't give myself to, totally to anyone. Um, after you're hurt like that, it's a it's a pretty bad bite. So you haven't had any substantial relationships in the last 20 years? No. Okay. Okay. Um, 20 years ago, being diagnosed with HIV uh, was a death sentence. Uh, it's very different than it is today. Um, I know at some point in time, did you think you were going to, rise above it and, and you were going to make it through or 
or did you just kind of write yourself off when you got kind your? Of, I kind of, I kind of wrote myself off until three years ago when I said, I'm done. I called my dad and I said, Dad, I'm done. He said, what do you mean you're done? I said, I'm ready to come home. I'm done with these drugs. He said, I've been waiting for a long time to hear you say that. Mm-hmm. He said, you leave everything but a truckload of your very personal things because everything else is going to remind you of the drug. He said, and I'll come and get you one pickup bed load, period. <laughs> and good. that's what we did. It's always good to have somebody in your corner. So you... um. You you were in Los Angeles. You've given your practice away. I mean, I'm trying to figure out financially how were you surviving and buying your drugs to feed your addiction. Now you tell me you're you're on the medication, and I know medication to treat HIV is expensive. I, I, it just seems right. I, little, I will yeah. now. You know, after after um, I was after I fell below 200 T cells. Then I was put on uh, Medicaid, and okay. Medicaid uh, pays for the medications. I'm pretty fortunate that they pay as much as they do, but mm-hmm. they, I've been on the same regime for about six years and okay. actually have tested undetectable for six years. So um, even mm-hmm. during the campaign, as long as I took my medication every day, and I know that's not what the the, the listeners need to hear, but... <laughs> um, you know, I stayed on my regimen, and that's very, very important. You know, my mm-hmm. body, physically, my body was, I weighed 140 pounds when I, I moved back to the Midwest three years ago, and now I weigh up around 195, something like that. Okay, okay. So you mentioned some changes that took place with your body. I mean, what what are the physical changes that somebody with HIV uh, experiences. Uh, you, you mentioned you, you start to lose weight um, before we had talked about thrush. I mean, what else did you see your body going through? Uh, um, I, had a, I had a lot of lung issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I started smoking, which I still haven't stopped smoking cigarettes, and I need mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Not only are they costly, but they're <laughs> not good for me. And, um, um, but I, I every fall I would get pneumonia. Mm. And I think that was because the drugs pulled me down. Now, in these last three years, I haven't been getting pneumonia like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a blood clotting disorder that I believe is a genetic, but I think it came to the forefront because of the HIV and the, and the drug abuse. Um, to where I've had to have two, two veins stripped out of my leg. Um, mm. Because of the blood clotting disorder, it's called factor five uh, latent deficiency. Wow! So, if I think I lost my most... teeth, I lost all my teeth. I have dentures, and they stink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, you lose your muscle mass. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called wasting syndrome, and that's why I take all of the medications to gain weight because you actually lose the lean muscle mass. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then you get the, the shallow cheeks, and uh, which is something when I was early in modeling, I, I, I had such a round face, a baby face, mm-hmm. I, I always wanted those cheeks bones, you know? Mm-hmm. Now I get anything back to have a little 
little meat in my face. <laughs> <laughs> but the weight is coming back on slowly but surely, correct? It is. It is. I cannot okay. complain. Okay. Okay. And in the beginning when the doctor started giving you medication to help with the HIV, uh, did all of it set well with your body or was it a trial and error period like this works, no, this doesn't work? or? It was years of trial and error. Years. Okay. Um, what did they start up giving you? The early drugs. Oh, gosh, I can't even remember the names because I just don't want to. Mm-hmm. I get, you would have diarrhea all day long, mm-hmm. vomiting all day long. You know, I've heard HIV medication equated to chemotherapy in a pill, and it mm-hmm. really is it's, it's horrible on your body. But mm-hmm. that that was that was the earlier ones that came up with newer and better ones. But the problem is, people think, okay, he's positive, I'm positive, we can have unprotected sex. Mm-hmm. No, that's not the case. You can get something. You compound your virus. Say that person had had virus A, and you have virus B. And and you've had sex together. Now you both have A and B. Mm. Whatever meds meds that A person was taking and whatever meds you're taking will no longer work for that virus. So you have to go to something else. To the Mm. point now people are are being unsafe so much that there's a super virus that nothing is working for. Mm. Yeah, I I read about that. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it makes the whole, yeah, I mean, and I, like I said, I think people really need to understand, you know, sexually, you have to take the time to really make some safe and informed choices and not rush into the the moment of the situation. And I I think, you know, they need more people like you to just kind of stress that, you know, to to the, to the population. Yeah. So now, go ahead. When I lived in Texas, I went around to the high school to a nonprofit called Health Education Learning Project, and we would speak to the kids. They would do a week-long uh, HIV education because it wasn't worked into the curriculum. Mm-hmm. And so we, they, we came from the outside. In two days, um, we would sit and talk. We would come in as people with HIV and talk to the kids about anything they wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. And um, they... They really came up with some good questions, and, and we answered them because they need to know. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, it's time for another break, uh, but when I get back, I want to uh, see what kind of questions the kids had for you because uh, I think those are probably also some of the questions that the audience might have. Stay tuned. I'll be back with Derek Brown right after this. This is Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com. Here's Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. I am talking with Derek Brown. And you know, I wanted to say Derek Reed for some reason, huh? We're going to get us married here. But Derek Brown. And um, before the break, Derek, you were saying that you did a program in Texas about uh, t- with the kids. And you were saying the kids had the opportunity to ask any particular question that they wanted a, a you guys there. I'm just curious, the younger generation, what kinds of questions are they asking about it all? I, I just want to know if they're they're really aware of what actually it is and all the details of it, but what were they asking you? 
Well, by the by the time uh, we went in as people with HIV to speak to the kids, they had already had four days of, of during their health class of HIV education. So they had educated okay. um, mostly about the medication and the side effects. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they would talk about my ex and wonder how to get a hold of him, that they would be involved. But they had a lot of good questions as far as um, the body fluids that can transfer it and, and isn't there anything anything. They just couldn't understand that there's nothing to get rid of the virus once it's in your body. Mm-hmm. Now, you've been living HIV positive, or actually now you say it's undetectable, but you've been living with this for 20 years, so you've got some experience here. What do you think are the myths or stereotypes that we as a society carry around about people who are HIV positive? Well, I think that well, early on, and it's probably still that way, a lot of people in the Midwest, for example, um, are still living with blinders on, and mm-hmm. they think, oh, I can't drink after him. I can't eat after him. Um, I had one cousin that actually wouldn't shake my hand at, mm-hmm. my, at my aunt's uh, birthday party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, he actually took the hand away. He would not shake my hand. Hmm. People don't understand that, that it's not that easy to catch. Mhm. Mhm. Okay. So, uh, besides your cousin, has anybody else mistreated you along the way, or no? I have been really fortunate. Um, okay. The designer I used to work for has been behind me all the way. He's still a very good friend. I still have a lot of friends from all over, and um, everybody has been behind me. Even when I was, even I had uh, the the man that was the president of the fraternity before me in chiropractic school um, mm-hmm. came to see me once, and I was all, all whacked out on crack. And mm-hmm. he said, Derek, you're doing pretty well despite yourself. And that <laughs> pretty much summed it up for me. <laughs> we are our own worst enemies at times, you know? Yes, we can be. Okay. So today you are, uh, the medication that you're on, what what is that one currently? Okay, I'm on four different meds. I'm on let's see, Norvir, Lexiva, Viride, and Epivir. And those okay. have been working for me for six years. Now, the last time I went in I had a slight viral load, so it was slightly detectable. I had a viral load of twenty and you have to be ten or below to be considered undetectable. And okay. we figured out that there was one of the medications that I had just failed to get and hadn't taken for like three months. So okay. I'm back on it, and, and everything looks pretty good. Okay. And if you can, can you tell me, like, this medication is for this or that medication is for that? What does it do for you, each of the medications? Oh, okay. That's only the four HIV medications that I'm on. Okay. And, okay. and they're all antiretrovirals and you know, okay. to stop replication. And then, then I'm on. I have neuropathy in my hands and feet, very bad. So I take Neurontin and and Norco for that. Um, I have anxiety issues and problems with sleep, so I have to take Xanax for that. 
um, and then a whole host of other things that are side effects from the medication, um, a blood pressure pill, um, oh, Lord, my, my, my blood clotting, uh, my Coumadin, my blood thinner, um, and antidepressant. Uh, there are just a host of things. I take about 18 to 20 pills twice a day. Mm, mm, mm. Amazing. I mean, that in itself, after so many years, after so much time, just has to be such weight to have to take those kind of I mean, it's just really commendable that, you know, you had the emotional fortitude to push for it. And, and I cannot commend you enough for that. I mean, that's just amazing. Um, so you say you have side effects from some of the medication. What What is one of the side effects that just really just irritates you the most? Just It's just so... The wor- what do you think the worst side effects you have of all of this? Well, I don't know if it's, just, it's so much side effects of the medication as it is of the disease process. Now, mm-hmm. the, the, the main side effect of the medication, the long term, is the neuropathy in the hands and feet. It mm-hmm. kills off the nerve endings. So you know how when your hand falls asleep and you try to and you shake it off, mm-hmm. it feels like that. Only you can't shake it off but yet you feel like you've got your hands on hot coals and then mm-hmm. now and then they're like sharp pains. And it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like uh, diabetic neuropathy. Okay, um, okay. And then uh, as far as side effect, that's medication. Side effect of the HIV is the weight loss and the okay. lack of appetite. If I could just uh, get my weight back, I would be so happy. So you've mentioned a couple of times you you have a lack of appetite. I mean, what do you what can you really eat on a daily basis? How much are you eating? I I drink three cans of of uh, therapeutic Insure with high protein a day, and then I have to eat three meals. And he would prefer I eat four. Mm-hmm. But you just can't get the fourth one down. Well, I just make myself. I'm, I don't enjoy eating very often, but I make myself because I have to. Okay, okay. And um, so, like I said, my mind is still just kind of absorbing all of this. Um, the the medication that you you take. Um, it is for you have a particular type of HIV diagnosis. There's a couple of types, correct? Well, no, HIV is HIV. Okay. Um, well, I believe there is a HIV. Uh, there might be, but what it is, it's the strain of the virus that is different. Okay. Um, and this, and the strain is how it has mutated due to the medications. The medication. Mm-hmm. The, the body will see or will see what that medication is and it'll go, oh, we can jump around that. And mm-hmm. it mutates, the virus mutates. And then, therefore, that medication, if you don't take it as prescribed, and, and some medications just don't work with particular body types. Gotcha, gotcha. And you had mentioned that you are almost or you, you're testing almost undetectable. If you get to that point where you test undetectable, will you be able to stop taking the medicine or is it something you're just going to have to do for the rest of your life? No, for six years I have tested undetectable. I still have to take the medication 
Now, in three about five months ago, I didn't have it refilled, and I had switched pharmacies, so okay. they didn't call and tell me. So after six years of testing undetectable and taking my medication as scheduled every day, mm-hmm. and then not taking it for about three months, I lost about a hundred T cells, and my viral load went up to a, a twenty, which I've oh. had a viral load of three hundred fifty thousand before. So wow. 20 still very low, but under 10, you're supposed to be um, undetectable and you you can't transmit the virus. Okay, so this is probably another thing that people need to understand. So if you get down to 10 and it's undetectable and you can't transmit the virus, are you still able to have unprotected sex? Never, never again. Well, okay. I haven't had sex in years and don't plan to, but I... Um, no, you cannot. You can't because mm-hmm. you can't take that risk. You can't. Mm-hmm. Even, even two negative people can't take that risk because mm-hmm. that virus can hide. Okay. And how long can it hide for? I, I'm not an authority on that. I can't tell you that. Okay. Okay. All right. So um, you're there and you have the support of your mom and dad. Is that where you're at now? You're back in Indiana? I'm back in Indiana. I live close to my dad. My mother is another story. She passed away in 97, and she decided that she did not want to live. Um, She wanted to die before I did, and she stopped her activities of daily living pretty much, and um, within two years, she passed away. Uh, My mother's side of the family has a lot of mental, uh, well, a lot of Alzheimer's. And okay. she had Alzheimer's-like symptoms. And a lot of times it takes something to snap them into uh, full mode of Alzheimer's. And I think that, and I, I've been in therapy for years over it, that I, I, I thought it was my fault. But mm-hmm. every therapist, every therapist, the common theme was, Derek, she made that decision. She decided to start praying to the Lord that he would take her. She wanted mm-hmm. to go for you. Mm-hmm. And I told her back to what Randy told me. Derek, you're going to live for a long time with the meds these days. And I told my mom that. And she just said, I don't care. I want to die before you do, and I'm going to. You know, and I think that... Look how many years she could have been, we could have enjoyed one another. That's you right. Know. That's right. You know, and I think that's another thing we need to realize is that, you know, it affects families as well. You know, it's not just the person, but it affects the loved ones around that person as well. It wow. Does. And, and I've been I've been very fortunate. I have a couple of people that don't want me around. So I have to juggle Christmases and Thanksgivings. But that's all right, because if mm-hmm. there's still... They're so ignorant and and don't want to be educated to it. Then God bless them too. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. You have brothers and sisters. I, I have uh, a sister. My brother passed away in 2006. He had his doctorate in chemistry, and my mm-hmm. sister is a nurse, and she works down in Evansville. Is she a supporter or no? Yes. Oh yes, yes, yes. Sorry. Okay. Okay. So 
you need, I'm pretty sure you need some help or some assist. Is, is there somebody immediately there with you or is it just your dad is the closest one to you? My dad's about a mile away. And then I have friends. I, I, it's hard for me to mow the lawn. Um, it's hard for me to lift things sometimes and I'll call somebody and they'll be right over to help me. And then mm-hmm. I'm there for them as well. And, you know, I work on a lot of backs for trade. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so on your day to day, what do you what do you do with yourself there in Indiana? Well, I I just moved here to be closer to my father. Um, last week, I was fortunate enough that my cousin sold me her swimming pool. So mm-hmm. before before I was talking to you this morning, I was out cleaning the liner up. Okay, and I have two dogs, mm-hmm. a little boy that's two years old, and he's a, he's a miniature schnauzer. I have a little girl that be Sean Freese and, and uh, Shih Tzu, and she's only eight months, so she's a little terror. <laughs> good deal, good deal. Okay. Well, we're going to take our last break of the day, and uh, when I come back, I want to see what Derek might tell the uh, audience out there about HIV moving forward. And we'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com. Here's Lana Reed. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. I have been talking to Derek, who's been living HIV positive for the last 20 years, and uh, he's been clean from his addiction to cocaine for the last three years, and I want to commend him on both of those. Now, Derek, you're on the stage, you have the microphone. What would you say to your audience? Uh, what message would you want to tell them about uh, HIV? I guess my message, my main message is that sexual intercourse or sex, let's be honest, it takes 10 or 15 minutes, maybe, max. Mm-hmm. Does that work the rest of your life? True. Not to run to the drugstore and get a condom, not to be safe. Is that really worth the rest of your life? I'm here to tell you it's not. Mm-hmm. Because by now, I wouldn't be buying a $300 pool for my cousin. I would have an in-ground pool mm-hmm. and a beautiful home, you know? And then I worked a lot of years to have that. Or I would be acting or I would be whatever instead of starting now wanting to go on forward. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, you know, that's that's... That's right. You know, I mean, really, the act is only, you know, on a good night, maybe a couple of sessions, maybe 30, 40 minutes, if that. But to rest, mess up your whole entire life for those moments of pleasure. Um, and we get so caught up in the moment, we really don't see the hold up. Wait a minute. Let me stop. You know, let me be safe, not only for me, exactly. but for my partner as well. Exactly. And there are other things. A lot of people who are HIV also have um, hepatitis, mm-hmm. and, and I've been fortunate that I have. I didn't get hepatitis, you know. Mm-hmm. And there again, that's from unprotected sex, using needles. I never used needles, and you know, and I, I go back and I I thank that lady for telling me not to smoke it or, or shoot it or not mm-hmm. to ever shoot anything. I couldn't hit a vein if I tried, and I'm a doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I know that those 
the addiction is even worse when you do introduce it right to the bloodstream. And, um, you know, your partner that gave you uh, HIV was pretty vindictive, you know, but that story is not uncommon. There's a lot of people out there that do that. What would you say to people that are out there in this world knowingly spread this, spreading this virus? Shame on you. Mm-hmm. That's it. Shame mm-hmm. on you. Okay. So we're here today and we're, we're doing well and we've got another 20 years ahead of us, probably more. Uh, oh, Lord, where don't do you wish s- me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you're only what? 35, 40, right? 45, yeah. <laughs> 29. So, okay. Where do, you, where do you see Derek going from here? Where would you like Derek to go from here? You know, I've let the Lord take the last three years, and I let him take the rest of my life. Um, mm-hmm. If if he wants me tomorrow, I'll go home. If mm-hmm. he wants me to get something to to spread the word to the world, then that's what should happen. Okay. Do you um, participate in programs? I know you mentioned the, the program in Texas, but are you active in, in spreading the message of HIV awareness and stuff? Well, I'm, I, I've, I haven't been back here long enough and clean long enough. Like I said, I weighed 140 pounds when I first moved back. And mm-hmm. even though I never touched again, touched it again, it takes a long time to build up especially having the underlying diagnosis of the HIV. And um, I'm just now getting to where I feel like I can look good enough and have enough energy to pursue something. Okay. So your energy, so you're tired most of the time? Um, I had been until I, I started taking the human growth hormone and the steroid. And then drinking this insurance, I know that sounds like, you know, nothing that that big of a deal, but it is therapeutic, uh, high-protein insurance, and it has really given me a lot of energy. Okay. Okay. Now, when you get the weight back on you, you're still going to have to drink the insurance, or you're going to struggle all the time with keeping your weight and your energy up? Well, hopefully we can tire it off and maybe do two cans a day. And then, mm-hmm. and then maybe do one can a day, and and just the. Um, I just started taking the uh, megase, which is supposed to give you an appetite. In Texas, I took something called Marinol, which is a synthetic THC, like uh, marijuana, mm-hmm. and that you know that made me hungry. But you can't get it here, or it's very hard to get it here, and I just haven't tried really. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm using the mega and it's only been a couple of weeks, but I think I can tell a difference. Okay, okay. So once you get your, your energy up and out there, you're going to, what would you like to do once you get your energy up and out? Well, I would like, my, my dream is to entertain um, in whatever venue. Okay, so you'll be coming back my way to Los Angeles or you're going to stay in, in Indiana? Oh, I think you can live anywhere and entertain. It's just uh, you have to go for the for the shoot. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. So um, let's see here. I, you know, I'm just I'm so 
amazed. You're just such a strong individual. And it's always a wonderment when somebody can be so open about topics that people want to keep. People want to be hush hush and ignore. You know what I'm saying? I think, yes, these these types of things, people just don't want to acknowledge or recognize. And that is part of the problem. You know, Um, like you said, yeah, you know, like you you said with your your lover uh, from back in the day, you know, he didn't want to acknowledge the fact that he was positive. And because of that, you know, because he didn't want to deal with it. Here it is. He's. I'm going to say not only cause and effect in your life, but who knows who else he was involved with. You know what I'm saying? That's the scary part. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Wow. Okay. So we're we're gonna hopefully see you um acting on uh some things or doing some model shoots once we get the weight back up. Well from your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna name and claim that for you, okay? And I'm gonna okay. say, Hey, I interviewed him back in the day. Remember me, Derek, okay? I certainly will. Okay, okay. Yeah. And um so let's see here. I think that would be all we have for today. These hours always slip by me. Um, I have been talking with Derek Brown about living HIV positive. I don't know if my audience knows, but tomorrow, June 27th, is National HIV Testing Day. So we want you to take the test and take control. And for information on places where you or anyone you know can get tested for HIV, I want you to visit hivtest.cdc.gov. Once again, once again, that is hivtest.cdc.gov. And Derek, I want to thank you so much for t- making the time to talk to me today. I wish you much success and even more health, okay? Thank you so much, Lana. I mean, I, like I said, and I'm just, if, if you don't hear it enough, I'm, I'm so proud and amazed with Derek Brown, okay? You know what? Today I'm proud and amazed to meet you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. No problem. Well, that is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and you can visit my website, lanareed.com, my Facebook, Lana Reed online, or even catch up with me on Twitter at Lana Reed. All of that is L-A-N-A-R-E-I-D. Until next time, I look forward to connecting with you.